0: What is up, everybody? Thank you for hanging so tight Uh, over the last few minutes. I was at the Josh Allen uh, Madden EA Sports 2024 launch party with Bills Mafia over 500 Pearl. Uh, Had to get out a a quick uh, story on that. Put out a couple uh, pieces of content from the event uh, on the way home. And then right as we're about to fire this thing up, Ryan Talbot. My computer goes black there for a few (laughs) minutes. I was like, whoa, we might not be doing a pod tonight, but we're back. We're locked and loaded. What is up, my friend?
1: Hey, not too much. It wouldn't be a shout episode without some kind of uh, technology snafu. We always seem to have something. So glad we're uh, live now, though, and ready to talk some Bills.
0: We're going to talk a lot about the Josh Allen event, Josh Allen on Madden, all of that uh, later in the program. But uh, we're excited because I like when Bills fans get an energy about something, right? There was obviously a lot of energy in 500 Pearl tonight, getting a chance to meet Josh Allen for all of these, uh, members of bills mafia, but this Colin cowherd clip, uh, that's kind of gone viral, semi viral over the last couple of days. And I actually, during our last show on Tuesday, I got a DM from a fan who was all up in arms about it. Like, did you see this, this clip from Colin cowherd? You got to talk about it. And then we post, the, the episode for today. And obviously I have Cowherd in the de- description and people are like, I don't care what Colin cowherd thinks. I don't listen to him. It's not about that. It's about the national narrative that takes place around this team. And I think sometimes it's okay for people that do watch those national shows that, you know, kind of get feel a certain way about something that's said to like plug into the local scene and let's kind of go through this piece by piece, flesh it out a little bit. It's a good conversation starter.
1: Yeah, it's a great conversation starter. Something to kind of break down. Uh, we were talking pre-show, you know, maybe one or two things that we we might agree with or slightly agree with or something that has some truth to it. Uh, but there's also some parts of the quote where you kind of roll your eyes a little bit and uh, you look at where this Bills offense was one year ago and not kind of getting too far into it because we'll break down some of these quotes here in a minute.
0: Yeah, and I think the, the, the biggest thing that, that Colin said in his spiel – that I think you take issue with is they can't fix their O-line. And I think that there's a lot that goes into that. Like, first, got to start with what they've done this offseason to address their offensive line, right? They bring back Mitch Morse, Deion Dawkins, a couple of Pro Bowl caliber players. Those are kind of your, your really good pieces on the line, right? Then they have a guy in Ryan Bates that they really like. They can move him around to different parts. They draft Osiris Torrance, who a lot of people call are calling the best guard, pure guard in this draft. They sign Connor McGovern, who was one of the top pass blocking guards on the free agent market. They bring in David Edwards, who started on a Super Bowl team a couple years with the, ago with the Rams. They have made a bunch of different moves to try to reshape this offensive line a little bit, and so. Fixing their offensive line, I think, was a priority this offseason. So I think he missed the boat a little bit there. And then also, he didn't mention one time the fact that they went from one offensive line philosophy with Bobby Johnson in 2021 and the years before that to a whole new one with Aaron Cromer. And they tried to find some pieces for him. They went to the well with Roger Saffold. It didn't work out. He was too old. He didn't play at the the caliber that they needed. And they flipped the deck and they brought in a bunch of new pieces. And I think – Building around Morris and Dawkins is smart. They still have Ryan Bates. They still have um, Spencer Brown, a young piece. And I think you could talk a little bit about this. I think the argument that could be made is more so tackle than guard because they they haven't really done a lot uh, at tackle.
1: Yeah, listen, the, the interior of the line is solid in terms of the moves that the Bills made this offseason. You mentioned all the names Osiris Torrance, David Edwards, Connor McGovern. Uh, you're also getting Ike Bucker back and healthy. Uh, he was brought back into the fold. So you have a ton of guys that, that can compete uh, a lot of starting caliber type players. So you've improved that, you know, tackle. Yes. We, we talked a lot this off season about, they really didn't make any moves for a tackle. Spencer Brown was pretty much kind of the slotted in again, his right tackle, the favorite for it. And late free agency, obviously they just signed Brandon shell uh, a few, you know, a week or so ago shells, a veteran, a lot of starts under his belt, double digit sacks for the, like, uh, I believe since 2017. So, Ton of experience, a uh, nice swing tackle option for this team. If something were to happen with Spencer Brown, whether it be injury or just uh, struggles on the field, they at least have an option there. So yeah, if you want to talk about any critique on the O-line, maybe it is the tackle position. Deanne Dawkins had a down year last season, uh, but I, I really, you know, I scoff at the idea that uh, the Bills didn't do anything to address their offensive line this off They didn't have a ton of cap space, and yet they were assigning some guards. Edwards obviously having experience with Aaron Cromer uh, when he was you know very young, very early in the league. He had some really nice seasons with uh, Aaron Cromer in the fold as his offensive line coach. Osiris Torrance is a mauler. He's going to be someone that I, I can't wait to see what uh, Cromer can do with. And then obviously, like you said, Connor McGovern, even uh, Dallas's coaching staff said his best football is in front of him, someone that was a very reliable guard for them over the past few seasons.
0: And, and the other piece of the offensive line conversation that's important is Colin talking about the Chiefs and the Bengals, using them as examples of teams that went out and addressed their offensive line in a big way, right? Like they go out and they trade for Orlando Brown and then Orlando Brown ends up making his way to Cincinnati. So he's like playing uh, a little uh, ping pong, if you will, uh, between the t- two AFC contenders there. But that, that that's a big ad, right? They, they, they addressed – offensive line in the draft. The chiefs did. We've covered this on the show multiple times um, and they hit and that's important, right? Like you got to be able to find guys and then hit if Osiris Torrance becomes a high level guard for them, it would be the exact thing that Colin was talking about when he was kind of complimenting the chiefs. And so I think that they have done some things now, maybe not this at the same level as the chiefs did, but the chiefs offensive line, Ryan, if you go back and look at that game, it was deplorable. And, uh, you know, uh, the, for the chiefs right before when they got knocked out, what, what game was that? Was that the super bowl against Tom Brady that they lost? 30, they no, 31 were,
1: to nine loss. Yeah.
0: Yes. Pat Mahomes was under siege in that game. Like that offensive line needed to be completely retooled. And listen, credit to, uh, Brett Veach. They did a really good job of finding talent, um, in the, in, in the draft in free agency. Um, I think the bills have a couple pillars that, you know, have to, you know, continue to prove it. I think Deion Dawkins needs to have a bounce back year. Mitch Morse was really good last year. He has to continue to be that. Um, but I think to say that they haven't tried to address the line with the constraints that they have, I think is a little bit silly. And, and having Cincinnati in this conversation at all is kind of crazy because they still have a a quarterback on a rookie contract, there it's kind of apples to oranges a little bit,
1: yeah. And listen, Burrow could sign an extension any day now, but the way they've been able to kind of maneuver with the cap space because of that rookie deal, uh, is completely different. Like you said, apples to oranges. Mahomes, uh, after that Super Bowl, they went out and they definitely hit on those draft picks. And if the Bills hit on Osiris Torrens, then that's one uh, less spot they're gonna have to worry about for the foreseeable future. And like we just said. They brought in some uh, guys in free agency that could legitimately come in and start right out of the gate for this team. And there's still Ryan Bates in the fold. So th- they definitely went out and they addressed this based on the cap space that they had. And Chris in the comments, yes, double-digit starts, not sacks. Excuse me if I said sacks instead of starts early on in my uh, in the last segment there. So just uh, misspeaking there on my part.
0: Another piece to this is, you know, he said, I'd love to see the Bills go out and get DeAndre Hopkins. So you don't double Stefan Diggs. He was specifically referencing the Cincinnati game where obviously he was frustrated. Obviously the bills didn't have any answers of how to get him the ball. And he said, Davis disappeared. Gabe Davis disappeared. They moved off Cole Beasley. He likes the rookie tight end and Dalton Kincaid, but he can't be that much of a game changer. And so I got to thinking about that, right? Like, because of course, bills fans want DeAndre Hopkins. Like that has been the, the conversation of the off season, but I, I, dude, I really think that we're we're off the mark here collectively when we're talking about the potential impact of Dalton Kincaid. I mentioned it already. I think that him landing in Buffalo with Josh Allen in this offense is about the best landing spot slash rookie situation for a tight end, maybe of the last ten or twenty years. I, I looked up Noah Fan today, and I'm going to bring him up again. And I went and looked at his rookie stat numbers because this is a guy that is is used in a lot of these examples as somebody that didn't make a huge impact. But what would this mean, adding this to this offense this year? 40 catches, 562 yards, three touchdowns. Let's, Let's use that as a baseline level. And I think Dalton Kincaid is twice the prospect the Dalton or that Noah Fant was from a pass catching perspective. People were high on, on Noah Fant, but if you remember the more well-rounded guy, TJ Hawkinson went ahead of him. So I think if you get that kind of baseline level production, maybe up it to maybe five touchdowns with that stat line, what kind of impact do you think that that gives this bill's offense in year one from Kincaid? If that's the numbers.
1: Significant. I mean, you still have Stefan Diggs who will be going over a thousand yards Uh, be hovering near that double-digit touchdown mark you're going to have a healthy Gabe Davis who is going to uh, have his fair share obviously of catches targets uh, receiving yards etc and then that's not to mention Dawson Knox who you all already have it tight end Uh, you have an upgraded running game on this team and backs that can catch the ball and then oh by the way there's also Deontay Hardy and there's Trent Shurfield and the list kind of goes on so Uh, While that stat line might seem modest, it would be really good for a rookie in Kincaid. It'd be really good for uh, a team that has a a capable two tight end duo in in Buffalo. So I think Bill's fans would be thrilled with that stat line from Kincaid as a rookie.
0: He said, I watched the Cincinnati, Colin Coward said, I watched the Cincinnati game. They can't get the line right. And you're signing three defensive linemen. So he's saying that you can't get the offensive line right. And obviously, you know, not a great um, situation there, but Brian, did you watch the game the next week? Cincinnati versus Kansas City. Josh Allen was sacked one time in the snow in Buffalo um, in that divisional round. Joe Burrow against the Chiefs in the AFC title game. That offensive line, I know it was banged up, but that Colin is so excited about. He gave him five sacks. Now they went out and they, they bring in Orlando Brown. And I get it. That is a big time addition. You move off of Jonah Williams at left tackle, which you know I thought he was solid for the most part. Uh, sometimes a little bit above average. Um, I don't know how that ends up materializing. If he takes the the right tackle job, that looks good. Maybe you move inside uh, Lyle Collins. I don't know what all that ends up looking like. They have some dudes on that offensive line. Don't get me wrong. But I also think that we're overblowing things. I also watched in that game that Joe Burrow was able to operate without barely any type of, not only pressure, but like real fear for the pass rush on the other side. Von Miller wasn't there. I get it. But adding Leonard Floyd, going out and getting Puna Ford and what that could mean for other guys in this D-line, those were necessary moves. That's, I don't think that those are moves where, you know, if you go out and you get a Pro Bowl caliber offensive lineman that all of a sudden you should do that instead of going out and getting guys that can affect the passer. I like those moves that Brandon Bean made and I, I think they should have been a priority.
1: Yeah, that's just it. If Colin Cowherd really watched that game, he would have seen a Bills defensive line that could not get any kind of pass rush on a Bengals O-line that had, I believe, three backups in the lineup in that game. So they were struggling mightily. Yes, Von Miller was not there for the Bills defensive line, uh, but you're, you're now going to have Miller coming back healthy. You're going to have Greg Rousseau. You're going to have Leonard Floyd. Uh, you're you still should be excited about some of these younger pass rushers they have, especially Epines after a quiet six and a half sack season. Puna Ford at Oliver, you know, now in, with this extension, DeQuan uh, Jones. All of a sudden, this line is stacked. You're five deep at defensive tackle. You're five or six deep at defensive end, and you really like that top three, like I said, of Miller, Floyd, and Rousseau. So. Uh, It seemed like the necessary move for this team because you do have to be able to get after the quarterback in meaningful games. And and when it comes to the Bills and criticizing this offense, Matt, I don't feel like they've lost any significant pieces this offseason. They tried to bring back Cole Beasley last year. They brought back John Brown, Uh, not necessarily desperation moves. These were guys that knew the system, knew the playbook, and um, they kind of needed those guys in. And despite all the issues that this offense had last year, the fact that they struggled to kind of put together a solid four-quarter game uh, a lot of the weeks, they still finished second in yards overall, uh, yards per game, second in points and in terms of uh, average overall throughout the season. So this was not an offense that was struggling or saw a significant dip in Ken Dorsey's first year. They were still top two in yards on average, top two in points per game on average uh, and when you think about adding Kincaid and Hardy and upgrading the offensive line, adding Damian Harris, uh, Latavius Murray, and, and so on and so forth to this offense, I feel like they did go out and, and they addressed uh, some needs. So they upgraded a few spots and, and this was not a unit that, like I said, was struggling by any means last season in terms of stats.
0: Final point on this whole thing with, with Cowherd show, like, I like I, I like using him as like a, a, a springboard into topics because you know I do think he does a pretty good job and I do think he's pretty well informed considering it's really hard to cover all the major sports and 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 really have that foundational understanding. If you go back two years ago, beginning of the season when the Kansas City Chiefs offense was struggling. They went like 7-8 weeks and Patrick Mahomes didn't look like the, like the same guy. Go back and listen to those Colin Cowherd shows. I guarantee you could find a little blip in there about something about Andy Reid maybe like losing uh you know his magic touch or you know maybe them having to kind of reinvent themselves like sometime of crazy podcast That's what these guys do. That's that's what they're paid to do. And um it's hard from that national perspective to dive into the details and know that Ken Dorsey probably going to be more organized in year two, better vision for the offense, more in sync with Joe Brady and Aaron Cromer, Rob Boris, et cetera. <clears throat> and I'm losing my voice because <laughs> we've been all over the place this week, Ryan. we have been doing OTAs. We've been doing um, Josh Allen Madden. We're going to get into that in a minute, but final thought on college. Howard, it's like, let's use it to discuss things, but you don't have to take it as gospel because he's just not as informed as a lot of other choices out there.
1: Right. National media members are also looking for reactions, looking to get the traction on social media. And, you know, you mentioned Dorsey will be better in year two. Aaron Cromer's offensive line should play a lot better in year two of his system. Uh, A lot of moving parts, a lot of different pieces last year that they were trying to kind of figure out with his scheme and the way that he likes to play, uh, you would think that they're going to be a lot better too. So, uh, you know, take what he says with a grain of salt.
0: June twenty third, mark it on your calendar right now. It is summer, June. I've been waiting for this show, Ryan. The garages are going to be open at Froth Brewery. We're gonna ha- we're gonna be outside. We're gonna be mingling. There's gonna be tons of people. We're gonna be eating delicious chicken wings, crushing delicious beers, and talking. Buffalo bills, football, talk about a dream of a Friday night. We're going to close down the place. Come out. You've seen all the pictures. You've seen all the videos come experience shout at wing nuts. There's nothing like it right now.
1: Yeah. Bill's mafia Kick off your summer with us froth brewery wing nuts, 700 military road, 8 PM start Friday, June 23rd, great wings, great beer and join us before and after the pod. We love interacting, hanging out with uh, bill's mafia members.
0: So Jessica says, So, Matt, are you saying Dorsey was not as organized as he should have been last year? And that's a good question because I said organized. What I mean by organized is I mean like more in sync with the operation, right? No matter how familiar he was with that scheme, because he helped build it with Brian Dable over three seasons, right? Adding your own touch to the offense and then also going through all of the protocols from meetings, from running meetings being in where you used to run the quarterbacks meeting. Now you have to operate the, the entire offensive meeting with the group. And then you have to kind of ping pong around to different meeting rooms. Like I just think like going through a job for the first time that you've never done, there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be things that you pick up along the way that you can then implement and execute when you get a chance to do it again. Like, I'm sure he kept a log of notes all year long of things that didn't go well in a game week that now he's going to be able to see those problems of ha- ahead of time and implement changes. And that's more of what I meant by organized just being more organized as an offense with the personnel and with the coaching staff.
1: And and there's something too about the feel for the game and making plays and it's something where last year was his first season and uh you know Brian Dable has had had many stints of experience calling plays before he really got things rolling in Buffalo. I'm sure that Ken Dorsey, his feel for the game, his instincts, the not having to really go downfield all the time, kind of mixing those short intermediate passes to uh, are all things that he's going to really focus on in year two. Kyle
0: Gauger with the super chat. I hope I pronounced your last name right, buddy. How much longer must we wait for wing nuts to get Matt and Ryan their own signature wing flavors? The screaming Perino and the tangy twisted Talbot, the alliteration I mean. on that bad boy. I am all the way in on our own signature wings. And I just gotta say, I gotta call him out right now on the show. AJ, my guy, owner of Wing Nuts. You going to get us our wings, my man. I, I think Kyle's onto something here.
1: I-, I love the idea. Some signature wings. And you know, hey, I, I wouldn't mind if our faces were also plastered on a beer can at Froth. You know, we we had a b- we had a billboard at one point. Get us a, get us a beer, a shout stout, maybe uh, a shout
0: stout. See, I don't like stouts, so I'm a little bit more of an IPA guy myself.
1: All right. We can come up with something.
0: All right. But a stout, it kind
1: of makes a little sense. It does. Um,
0: It works. By the way, speaking of shout, shout out to Del Reed. Uh, He sent me one of those, those newest shout shirts. Did you get one?
1: Show that out. I didn't didn't know if it, uh, who sent it to me today. I didn't know if it was something. Yeah, right there. I mean, love Look at it. That. A nice Our guy always taking the...
0: care of us. Um, that is super awesome. Awesome. New shout design. I got a great play. Oh, man,
1: we great have been... a The Andre, the giant obey.
0: <laughs> We've been kind of snoozing on that. We were going to order a bunch to give away to fans. So I got to I'm going to text him after the show and see if we can't put together uh, that. And that. And that's going to be those are going to be giveaways at way So come out June 23rd. Um, I'm actually working on some other stuff uh, giveaway stuff too for future shows so stay tuned on all of that
1: Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot
0: Learn more at marines.com. Before we get to Josh Allen, I, I had them in the pictures. Like you mentioned it earlier, and I think this has been mentioned a couple of times. Like, what have they done? What have the Bills done to add for Josh Allen? I, I think they've done a lot outside of the line that stuff that we mentioned. Like, I think Deontay Hardy, this guy is a different caliber of player. He's an upgrade over Isaiah McKenzie. Like, if you go back to his 2021, there's a reason the Bills gave him the bag that they gave him. For years, year after year, Isaiah McKenzie kept, kept coming back to the negotiating table, and all he can get from the Bills was a million point six six every single time. They gave Deontay Hardy, I believe, thir- 13 over three. I got to look that up. Or 13 over two, maybe even. I'm going to look up that contract as, as, as we're talking about them here. Trent Shurfield was a rack monster last year with the ball in his hands. He's now coming to – he's going from Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Dalton Kake, whatever that ends up mixed looking like. You forget about a guy like this. And that, and he proved last year that in an offense with other stars, he can be productive. Damian Harris, Latavius Murray. I, I, love Devin, I love Devin Singletary. The kid was fun to talk to. He had a really good run in Buffalo. It's a significant upgrade, in my opinion, based on what we expect out of James Cook as well.
1: Yeah, I I think those are sneaky additions at wide receiver that you mentioned in Shurfield and obviously Deontay Hardy. You go and you look up the highlights on Hardy. He is a field stretcher. He has that, I think, four three eight forty 40 time, Uh, really great speed. Uh, When he catches the ball, he can break away from you. The yard after catch has been something the Bills have been trying to improve every year. I think he can help there. And, you know, even even Sherfield, he's gotten better every time, you know, in his stints throughout the league. He's been getting more and more opportunities I like what he brings to the bills. He's also a great special teams type of player uh, besides the offensive kind of play. But the, the one play that sticks out in my mind all the time with Sherfield is the first play of the game against the 49ers catches the ball in the slot and just takes it the distance for a touchdown. He's someone that maybe his reps will be limited because you mentioned all the other guys on this team and Diggs and Davis and Kincaid and Knox and the different formations they might utilize. But, I still think Sherfield can also be a contributor and someone that can uh, help this team out down in the red zone, help this team out when his numbers called upon and be a really solid upgrade uh, at the bottom of the roster in terms of one of those final wide receiver spots
0: over 200 watching on YouTube right now, man, you guys are awesome. We had a late show on a Thursday. We're sneaking an extra one in this week uh, and we're actually going to up the, uh, the amount of shows here over the next couple of weeks and into the season. Um, like I mentioned last episode, Things are going to be changing, uh, on the shout front and on the Syracuse.com bills coverage front. Like we're introducing something totally new in July that we're so excited about, and it's going to be heavily, um, built around the podcast. It's going to change the podcast a little bit for the better for all of you. Um, we're still going to keep our YouTube faithful at the top of mind and priority, uh, but it's going to open things up to all of the people that that consume the podcast. You guys are so awesome. Uh, more details on that to come in about three or four weeks. So stay tuned for that. Uh, keep uh, keep yourselves ready for it. Ryan, tonight I was out at five hundred Pearl. Uh, they had a um, event for Josh Allen and Marcus says the podcast is perfect as is. Don't worry, the content's not changing. It's just your experience, your engagement ability, your inclusion in it is getting ratcheted up quite a bit. So just stay tuned. (laughs) You're going to love it. I promise. And if you still want to just consume it in the same way as always, that's fine too. That'll be available to you. So I was at 500 Pearl tonight. It was, let me just describe the scene to start off with. So it was supposed to be a surprise that Josh Allen was going to be there, but I don't think anybody really was surprised. It seemed like everybody was kind of in on that. Uh, I think it was kind of floating around on social media. There's about 100, 150 people there. Bill's fans dressed to the nines. There was one dude that had like a Bill's chain. There was one dude, the Iceman, that had his whole tailgate get up on. We had some, um, you know, just everybody like from head to toe. Somebody was representing from Bill's uh, Mafia babes in the house. He was one of the trivia members, but it was just – there was this buzz you know, in the air. Like DJ Milk was there. DJ Yes, they were doing their thing. And Josh Allen came out and for 45 minutes just hung out with Bills Mafia, like everybody that was there. And he hosted a trivia game, brought people up on stage, was interacting with all the little kids that came out to the event. It was super special and obviously a celebration about you know, Josh Allen being the first Buffalo Bills player in NFL or in franchise history to be on the cover of Madden. It was this super special moment and he mentioned that, made sure to emphasize that this wasn't just about him. It was also about the city of Buffalo and how tough a time it's been to be a Bills fan for many, many years and how this is kind of like this kind of unique re- reward for all of that time spent through the process, if you will, You know, going through the hard times to to live in these really good times and the the ascension of Bills Mafia. And he mentioned that Hey, man, this is pretty cool. The first time ever that a a fan base is featured alongside the athlete on the cover. It was a really special kind of reward for Bill's fans. uh, This whole event. It was a cool night.
1: Yeah. And, I, you know, I can't speak highly enough about Josh Allen when it comes to his interactions with the fans. You mentioned everything tonight. Uh, There was an event a few years ago at Resurgence and he went around. He talked to every person there, but especially the kids. He's so good with the kids. You see it at training camp. Uh, He goes out of his way to sign for as many kids as possible. uh, He's definitely, you know, the the right guy for the job. But in in terms of the Madden cover, the interactions, uh, how important it was to have the the fan base with him in that in the uh, deluxe edition photo. It's cool. It's unique. And, you know, you and I are from this area. And who knows if in our lifetimes there'll be another Bills player that uh, dons the cover of Madden. It's been a long time, and the Bills have had some really good players, obviously, over the years, especially when Madden first started. Um, so it is a special moment. A little tidbit that you threw in there I saw on social media. Those fans in the in the photo were from the L.A. Bills backers bar, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's multiple L.A. Bills backers bars because okay. the one gentleman that I know, uh, and shout out to him, I, I made sure to DM him. Um, after I heard about this this morning, uh, Anthony, uh, Mariani, and you could find him, uh, his bills backers on Twitter at, let me see if I, if I can find it. It's, he always like retweets it. Anthony Mariani, uh, look him up. Uh, he's the co-president of the LA bills backers bar. One of them, there must be multiple ones because he, he said that he doesn't think anybody from their group was in that group that went to the thing, but there's. LA is a very big city. There's probably yeah. multiple um, ones, but the cool part about it was they didn't know what they were actually going there to do. They just heard they needed, they put a call out for bills fans. They all showed up. It's Josh Allen there. And Josh even said that af- after a couple takes, he's like, guys, I'm scoring a touchdown here. Grab me celebrate. Let's let's be bills mafia. This is how we get going. And like, so he had to kind of get up because you know, you probably walk onto the set. You're a bills fan. You're probably like, Oh my God, you're starstruck. It's Josh Allen. Uh, but those were actually Bill's fans uh, on the cover. That's, that's mega cool.
1: Yeah. You know, when the cover first came out yesterday, I saw people discussing, was it AI? Was it kind of digitally produced? Uh, Were they just actors dressed up as Bill's fans to know that they are actually Bill's fans uh, that were brought in for this makes that that much cooler. Uh, And imagine being one of those fans that are going to be on the cover of that deluxe edition. I mean, You're going to want that memento because of Josh Allen, but that's something, too, where you're going to want to buy that and be like, you know, that's me on a cover of a video game alongside this quarterback that was, you know, the franchise guy when looking back on it many years from now. So uh, really cool that uh, they were able to kind of do that and, and get the fan base, the Bills Mafia involved.
0: So a question, our, our former producer, AJ, is going uh, ham in the comments here with a little trivia. little in-podcast trivia from AJ Sabalski. The guy can do it all. Uh, and he said, who's the last Bills player to have 10-plus sacks? Um, and you're going to have to look through here for um, the answer. Uh, I think it was Lorenzo, right? Yeah. Lorenzo Alexander. Interestingly enough, somebody said, what's the most that Bruce Smith ever had? Dude. In 1990, so Bruce Smith is one of the top sack artists of all time. It's Reggie White, Bruce Smith, might end up being Von Miller, but like those are the guys you talk about. He had 19 sacks in 1990. He had in 95, 96, 97, and 98, um, four of his last five years in Buffalo, he had 10 and a half sacks, 13 and a half sacks, 14 sacks, and 10 sacks. And those were in his. 11, 12, 13, 14th NFL seasons. Gives you hope for the Von Miller comeback story, right? That he can yeah. kind of produce as he gets to 34, 35, 36 year in this contract.
1: Yeah, and even the system that Bruce played in wasn't necessarily the most uh, friendly for him to be able to get sacks, but he's just such a dominant player that uh, he was able to do so. So unbelievable player. But yeah, with, with the Bills, you know, I really like some of the moves they made up front this year. Hopefully the Bills can get at least one guy. Uh, reaching double digit sacks. But I thought last year they had Von Miller and uh, Rousseau who were on pace for double digits before injuries kind of popped up throughout the year.
0: The other piece to the, to the Madding conversation that I want to have here before we get out of here is just how far this whole thing has come. And I think it's really important perspective at this time. Like Josh Allen was the most played football player, in Madden 2023, and it, it's not a surprise. Like in online game modes, and I I can't remember the exact stats. stats. I got to reach out to the PR rep to get the exact numbers. But over one billion online rushing yards for Josh Allen last season in online modes, which is not crazy. Because if you think about it, you want that dual threat, th- threat player that you can kind of attack defenses with, and obviously Josh Allen is you know the premier guy. I mean. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, those would probably be the, the two guys you want to try to use in that department. You know how Mike Vick was a cheat code. Oh, in Madden I'm back just going to
1: mention it. When, yeah, when I was back in college, uh, St. Bonaventure, we would play online against people and we had our own league too and everyone wanted to have Mike Vick just because of the running ability. Um, obviously, he had a big arm too in that game and uh, having a dual threat like that. And again, Allen's not like the burner like Vick was, but you can get those yards, you can uh, knock people over. He can throw the ball all over the field. It makes a lot of sense that he was the most used quarterback, most used player in Madden.
0: The, the thing I wanted to hit on just very quickly here is just, you know, as the Bills pursue this Super Bowl title, right? And this run and build the roster and, you know, criticism for Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, you're going to hear it on the show. You're going to hear it from fans. Like, I think it's just always important to like use this perspective. And it's like, it's kind of my pushback sometimes to people that say, even to me, like, Oh man, sometimes I wish you were a little bit tougher on the team. Like you were a little bit more critical. And it's like, I get that. If you want critical like coverage, like, of course, like we try to do that on this show. Like we try to like put everything out, like relationships and and history with the team and the city and family and all that and cover the team, the way that's supposed to be covered. And if you think that I'm a little bit too easy on them, that's fine. Like you can have that take, but I think that the perspective is required. Ryan, they've gone to the playoffs five of the last six years. They have one of the top players in the NFL and Josh Allen. And how many organizations find that player over the course of, you know, a decade, right? It's, it's, it's rare. Like teams are chasing it year in and year out. There's been a lot of greatness with this regime, with this run that the Bills are on over the last six, seven years. And I just think sometimes, of course, you want them to win the Super Bowl if you're a Bills fan. Of course, you want Sean McDermott to be better, Ken Dorsey to be better, Brandon Bean to be better, all those kinds of things. But everybody's trying to win a Super Bowl. One team gets to win it every year. And I just think sometimes moments like this kind of bring it all full circle and add perspective that. There's a lot of great going on with this organization in city right now.
1: Yeah, you can be critical uh, critical about in-game management, some play calls here and there, even uh, Brandon being with the drafting in, in terms of some, you know, some misses perhaps over the last few years. But this is also a team that won 13 games last season and dealt with a lot of on and off-field tragedy and issues and injuries, uh, you name it. And, it. and it's hard to sit here and be like, well, how can you be critical of that when – 13 wins. They were in contention for the number one seed in the AFC uh, throughout the entire year. They're uh, they've won the, the the division now, you know, back to back to back years. It's just one of those things where, yes, you, you there's things where we get on after a game or after the season and we are critical, but how critical can you be right now with the dominance that we've seen with them in the AFC East with the playoff, you know, winning at least a game in the playoffs, the past few seasons, Um, being in the championship game a few years ago, being on the verge of being in another, uh, championship game, you know, obviously with that back and forth game with the chiefs, uh, in the 13 seconds. So it's, you have to put it in perspective. Like you said, you, you go back 10 years ago, you look at the quarterbacks, you look at the rosters, you look at the coaches, uh, that was those were some rosters that you could be very critical about, and some coaching staffs and, and things like that. You know, when you look at where they were to where they are now, I saw a meme on I think it was on Twitter about the, the 10 year glow up, and it was like uh, the talk about Manuel and Jeff Tool and all that other stuff. And then it's like Josh Allen and uh, Von Miller, Stefan Diggs. This is a team that's right there every year as a Super Bowl contender, and like you said. You hope if you're a bills fan that they, they win a super bowl here in the next few years, but there's only one team that walks away with it every year. And it's very difficult to do.
0: It is. Uh, what's not difficult to do is smashing that like button, subscribing to the channel as well. And getting June 23rd, Friday night, 8 PM on your calendar. Cause you're going to want to come out to wing nuts. It's inside froth brewing company, 700 military road. There's been a little bit of confusion about that a few times. Apologies. Wing Nuts is housed inside froth, and I think that's a little bit of a confusion. Put in Froth Brewing Company into your Google Maps or 700 Military Road. Come out, eat these amazing wings, drink these just epic beers. Ryan, tell them. They got like 25 on there, and we're going to talk bills with you all night long till we close down the place. It's going to be a yeah. great time.
1: 25 30 beers on there they do like the frozen lemonades as well i mean uh you can you have your option of what you want to drink there and they have a good breakdown of everything under the names and um the wings you can get a flight of wings a flight of beers you can try everything when you join us friday june 23rd 8 p.m. for our live edition of shout
0: he's ryan i'm matt we will be back next week Enjoy your weekend. Hopefully, the air clears up wherever you're at. If you're on the East Coast and we can kind of get back outside and, and do some things, I felt terrible the last couple of days. I think that's a little bit what's going on with my voice uh, as well. Uh, I heard through the grapevine that AJ is going to be at Wing Nuts. So uh, come out and hang with AJ too. I mean, he, he's all grown up, man. I mean, he started as a young pup on the Shout podcast. Now he's got his own show. Come out and hang out. It's going to be a great time. We'll see you next week, everybody. Take care.
1: A Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.